This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 120. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. Hello, sweet Kel. Hello, sweet Brett. This is Brett Hurst. And we're marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Ready to go there. All right. Well, today's episode is called Your Money Personality. Sorry, I didn't hear you with the car racing by our house. (laughs) Your money personality. Your money personality. It's been a while since we have done a money episode. Yeah, I guess that's true. But, you know, sometimes we like to sort of go with a theme. So we're going to talk about money this episode and a little bit the next episode as well. Because money is a huge part of your marriage. (laughs) It is indeed. And to act as though it's not is really kind of doing a, a disservice to you. So. But money is one of those topics that's just a lot of people will kind of go, oh, when you say you're going to talk about money and marriage, you know, for a lot of couples, this is a an area where hard conversations happen, stressful, Mm -hmm. tense conversations happen. And I think one of the interesting things for us has been to sort of learn some language around, you know, identifying styles of how we relate to money. Right. You know, we we say all the time, Jesus talked a lot about money in the New Testament. And I think that's because, you know, we live with money every single day. Mm -hmm. We're either spending it, saving it, thinking about it, earning it, you know. It's a prominent tool in your life. It absolutely is. And often time, well, I guess more times than not, where our heart is... Or where our treasure is, that's where our heart, mm-hmm. you know, is. So there's a lot involved. But I, I came across some money personalities that I thought were interesting. I think there's a bunch of them out there. I think there's even a book called Your Money Personality that has, they label them kind of in a different way. But I thought these were kind of interesting. The first one is The Big Spender. The Big Spender. Hey, Big Spender. <laughs> I, I know The Big Spender. <laughs> so a descript for The Big Spender is a person who likes nice things. Yeah. Expensive of taste. Brett, do you know someone like this? I do. I, I do <laughs> so know. So the big spender, they don't want to keep up with the Joneses. They are the Joneses. Like they have a high quality taste. They want the finer things. Well, no wonder you're a big spender. Jones is your maiden name. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so big spenders tend to not be bargain shoppers. They tend to be very comfortable spending money. Mm. They don't really we, fear debt. Now, that's one. I am a big spender, but I don't like debt. So that's, that's true. one that doesn't really describe but me. But you are comfortable spending money. I am very which, comfortable spending which money. Which can make other people uncomfortable. <laughs> and they, the big spender is typically willing to take some big risks. Right. So, you know, I want to say none of these, from the get-go, I want to say none of these are Bad. None of these categories. These categories, uh-huh. these money personalities are bad. Okay. They're just kind of how we differently relate to money. So there's the big spender. That's one. Okay. There's the saver. Hooray. 
<laughs> which is the exact opposite of the Vig's fender. They conserve things like leftovers and electricity. <laughs> they rarely use credit cards. They would much rather stare at the interest earned column of their bank statement than focus on, you know, the latest trends or the latest style or whatever. Savers generally do not have debt and are sometimes referred to as cheapskates. I will not wear that. <laughs> I remember. So I had a grandfather who was very much a saver. I mean, to an to a fault. Mm-hmm. Like it was just yeah. sad. And I remember it like on this one, we had a holiday at my grandparents' house and it was really hot outside. Must have been Fourth of July or something. And I remember my grandma in, in Texas. I remember my granny pleading with my papa going, oh, honey, for the children, can we turn the air conditioning on? <laughs> for the children. For the children. <laughs> Have mercy. Pretty, pretty sad. For the so children. we've got the big spender. We've got the saver. Then we've got the shopper. Now, the shopper differs from the big spender in that they don't necessarily have their eye on the most expensive items. They just enjoy buying things. But they're often the ones who are shopping for the best bargain. That's mm. a very appealing thing for them. It's the it's the sport of shopping. Yes, that's what they enjoy the most. They are often aware that they have kind of maybe a purchasing problem. You could even say addiction. Mm. And are even aware of their amount of debt, but they typically just don't really get bummed by it. You know, they're aware of it, but it doesn't bother them too much. Because in their mind, they're thinking, well, I got it on sale or I shopped for the best bargain. So, you know, I got the deal. That differs from the big spender. But not all bargains are helpful for all families. So true. There's an Andy Griffith episode about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So we've got the big spender, the saver, the shopper. Then we've got the debtors. So the debtors differ from shoppers in that they don't get a buzz from shopping and buying. They are just simply unaware of the debt that they're accumulating. So they're not in touch with how much they're spending. They don't keep tabs on what they spend or where they spend it. Debtors typically spend more than they earn and are often deeply in debt, but they're just they differ from the shopper and the spender in that they're just not aware of it. They're not in touch with that. So this is most Americans. Well, probably when you consider what the average Credit, credit card, card debt is mm-hmm. per family. Yeah. So maybe I said earlier that none of these are bad. Maybe the debtor is not ideal. It's not good. <laughs> so, okay. So that's four of them. Then we've got the investor. And the investor, these people are consciously aware of their financial portfolio. They are always thinking about how they can put their money to work. They are generally careful decision makers. But they're willing to take a certain amount of risk in pursuing their goals. So they differ from the saver Mm -hmm. a little bit because the saver tends to be very careful. The investor tends to think, well, I'll risk a little bit because my goal is I want to build up the portfolio, you know, so it's a little bit different. So these are just prototypes that are not absolute, but. Yeah. And I think a lot of these money personalities, a lot of the conversation can be, how did you grow up? 
in your family of origin with money? What was the conversation? What was the attitude around money? How did it shape your mindset toward money? Yeah. Like, did your parents talk openly about money or was that kind of a no-no conversation? Mm -hmm. So I also found that there are some general you know, beliefs about money that I think are helpful in marriage conversation, too. One of them is just the worship of money, you know, believing that more money is going to solve our problems and we can never have enough, you know, we can never have enough money. We can never have too much money. Mm -hmm. Just this idea that money is the end all, Mm -hmm. you know, you can I listen to tons of podcasts off a lot of them with celebrity interviews, and I'm so moved by how many celebrities will be honest and say, I thought money and fame was going to do it. Doesn't doesn't do it. Yeah. And then there's that moment where I realize, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I've achieved my goals and I'm still not happy or, you know. And even if you're not a celebrity, let's say you're a careful saver and investor, just that uh, mythical idea that the perfect retirement portfolio is going to be your ultimate security. Yeah. It's not the case. Yeah, it's absolutely true. So there's a a belief about money that's kind of a worship. Then there's a belief about money that's avoidance. And this is kind of the belief that money is a bad thing or shouldn't be talked about, or maybe we don't deserve to even have it. These people typically ignore their finances. They avoid thinking about money. They just don't want to have the conversation. Yeah, they just don't want to have it. And and a lot of times that really was how you were brought up. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some dinner tables who would say, we don't talk about what? Religion and politics. Uh There's some families who never talked about money. Right. And so the idea of that's not a proper, it's not a a proper conversation. Proper conversation, right. Which of course it is. Of course it is. Then there's the money belief that they call vigilance, which is just being frugal. Saving money is the utmost priority. You know, that's just the highest value. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who came, who lived through the depression Mm -hmm. or, you know, significant economic recessions will have this idea. They develop Uh, a scarcity mentality. Absolutely. And just want to make sure that they've got emergency funds to... Uh Which, of course, there's nothing wrong with, but when that's your ultimate goal and you can't even enjoy spending a little bit of money or... Or or can't even have a conversation with the person you love about how we're going to do this money management as a team. Yeah. And they may even be kind of secretive about their money Mm -hmm. because, you know, just the idea of hoarding it away, you know, putting it away, that's such a high value for them Mm -hmm. that they may even be uncomfortable talking about money, even right. with their partner, which is can be a dangerous thing. And then, of course, just there's this money belief of status, you know, seeing money as a means to achieving a higher status. In other words, your self-worth equals your net worth. And vice versa. Yeah. And which is kind of like the worship thing, but really more of a we're worried about kind of the external imagery of we've got a lot of money. We live in a certain kind of house. We drive a certain kind of car. This is your significance. Yeah. How, mu- how much money you have or yeah. when how, much bel- you've, how much you've accumulated. Yeah. When your belief about money is, is tied to status, mm-hmm. you know, that can really sort of trip you up, I think. Right. So, you know, these are just, you and I, Brett, are never about wanting couples to label each other or this put each just, other in a box. Right. So this is just vocabulary. It's just vocabulary. And I think anything, any conversation that leads you to, well, I think I might be this way around money because, well, this is how money was handled in with my parents or my mm-hmm. grandparents. And, you know, we were told this about money mm-hmm. or that. There's no way that doesn't follow you into your adulthood. Unless and, you consciously 
consciously make a decision to, to d- do the opposite. Yeah, exactly. And the only way, way you can consciously make the decision to do the opposite is to look at what how right. it was talked about. Be honest discussed. about it. Yeah. Have conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think these are good conversations for couples to have. Definitely. We, we really encourage couples. You know, we've said it before probably a hundred times on this podcast. The two areas that are the most problematic in marriage are money and sex. And they're the two that are least discussed. That's exactly right. Because yeah. it's hard to talk about them. Uh-huh. So we just give our listeners permission to explore money conversations, even if historically it's been difficult. Mm -hmm. We ask you to keep trying to engage in the conversation, learn about each other, learn about how you relate to money yourself. And maybe that'll be a good thing. So couples can just kind of see where they gravitate to uh, some of these uh, quasi identities. Yes. Your money personality. Well, if you would like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. And if you're enjoying Marriage to the Max, help us keep it going by supporting Home Encouragement. Just go to homeencouragement.org and click the donate button because any amount helps. And thank you for those who have written reviews for us on Apple Podcasts. We'd really, really appreciate it if you would rate us and write a review there. This helps more people to find our podcast, Marriage to the Max. Well, thank you guys for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.